Easter's only three weeks away. As we look toward Resurrection Sunday, I want you to know that I am compelled to look at what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. This morning, I want to do something that I don't normally do. I've used illustrations before, but the illustration that I'm going to be using this morning, some of you may have heard this before. It's, it's a little bit long, but I believe it gives one of the best illustrations of what Jesus has done on the cross for us than any other illustration that I, I have ever done. And uh, you will understand that want a donut in just a second. Listen to this illustration. There was a college professor of religion named Dr. Christensen. He was a studious man who taught at a small college in the western United States. Dr. Christensen taught a required course in Christianity at this particular university, and every student was required to take this course regardless of his or her major. Although Dr. Christensen tried hard to communicate the essence of the gospel in this class, he found that most of his students looked upon this course as nothing more than a required drudgery. Despite his best efforts, most students refused to take Christianity seriously. This year, Dr. Christensen had a special student named Steve. Steve was only a freshman, but was studying to be uh, with the intention of going on to seminary. Steve was popular, he was well-liked, and he was an imposing phys physical specimen because he was the starting center for the school football team, and he was also the best student in this class. One day, Dr. Christensen asked Steve to stay after class so he could talk to him. He asked him, how many push-ups can you do? Steve said, I, I do about 200 every night. 200, that's pretty good, Dr. Uh, Dr. Christensen said. Do you think you can do 300? He says, I don't know. I've never done 300 at a time. Steve replied, do you think you could? Again, asked the professor. Well, I could try, said Steve. Can you do 300 in sets of 10? I have a class project, and I need you to do about 300 push-ups in sets of 10 for this to work. Can you do it? I need you to tell me that you can do it, said Dr. Christensen. Well, I, I think I can. Yeah, yeah, I can, Steve said. So Dr. Christensen said, good, I need you to do this this Friday, and I will explain to you what I have in mind. Friday came, and Steve, he goes to class early, and he sat down on the front row. When the class started, the professor pulled out a box of donuts. Now, these were not just regular donuts. These were the big, fancy kind. They were cream-filled. They were frosted, swirls, sprinkles. These were the, the really fancy donuts. Everyone was pretty excited that it was Friday, the last class of the day, and they were going to get an early start on the weekend with a party here in Dr. Christensen's class. So Dr. Christensen went to the first girl in the first row and asked, Cynthia, would you like one of these donuts? Cynthia said, yes, please. Dr. Christensen then turned to Steve and asked, Steve, would you please do 10 push-ups so that Chris, uh, Cynthia may have a donut? Sure. Steve jumped down from the desk, 
did 10 quick push-ups, and then returned to his desk. Dr. Christensen put a donut on Cynthia's desk. Dr. Christensen then went to Joe, the next person, and said, Joe, do you want a donut? Joe said, yes. The professor asked Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Joe can have a donut? Steve did 10 push-ups, and Joe got a donut. And so it went down the first aisle. Steve did 10 push-ups for each person before they received a donut. Dr. Christensen continued down the second aisle until he came to Scott. Now, Scott was a basketball player and in good physical condition as Steve. Scott was popular and he never lacked in having a girlfriend. And when the professor asked Scott, would you like a donut? This was Scott's reply. Yes, if I can do my own push-ups. Dr. Christensen said, no, Steve has to do them for you. Scott said, then I don't want one. The professor shrugged and then turned to Steve and asked, Steve, will you do 10 push-ups so Scott can have the donut that he does not want? With perfect obedience, Steve started to do the push-ups. Scott yelled, hey, I said I didn't want one. Dr. Christensen said sternly, look, this is my class, these are my desk, these are my donuts. Just leave it on the desk if you don't want it. And he put the donut on Scott's desk. Now by this time, Steve had begun to perspire. He was starting to slow down a little. He just stayed on the floor between sets because it was too much effort to get up and down. As Dr. Christensen started down the third row, many students were beginning to get a little angry. Dr. Christensen asked Jenny, Jenny, do you want a donut? And Jenny answers was firm, and she said, no. Then Dr. Christensen asked Steve, Steve, would you then do 10 more push-ups so Jenny can have a donut that she does not want? Steve did 10, and Jenny got a donut. By now, a growing sense of uneasiness filled the room. The students were beginning to say no, and there were all these uneaten donuts on the desk. Steve also had to put forth a lot more extra effort to get these push-ups done for each donut. There was a pool of sweat on the floor beneath his face, and his, his arms were beginning to turn red because of the physical effort being put forth. Because Dr. Christensen could no longer bear to watch Steve's hard work go all, for all these uneaten donuts, he asked Robert, the most vocal unbeliever in the class, to watch Steve do each push-up and told him to make sure that he did a full 10 push-ups for every set. As the professor started down the fourth row, he noticed some of the students from other classes had wandered in and sat down on the steps next to the radiators that ran down the side of the room. He did a quick count, and he saw now that there were 34 students in the room. He started now to worry that Steve would not be able to make it. He went on to the next person, and the next, and the next. Near the end of the row, Steve was really having a hard time. It was taking a lot more time to complete each set of push-ups. Just then, Jason, a recent transfer student, came to the room. He was about to enter when once... All of the students yelled, No! Don't come in! Jason didn't know what was going on. 
Steve picked up his head and he said, No, let him come in. Professor Christensen said, You realize that if Jason comes in, you will have to do ten push-ups for him. Yes, let him come in. Give him a donut. Dr. Christensen said, Okay, Steve, I'll let you get Jason's out of the way right now. Jason, do you want a donut? Not even knowing what was going on, Jason said, Yes, I'll have a donut. Steve, will you do ten push-ups so that Jason can have a donut? Steve did ten very slowly and labored push-ups. Jason, bewildered, was handed a donut, and he sat down. Dr. Christensen finished the fourth row and started on the visitors that were seated on the steps. Steve's arms were now shaking with each push-up in a struggle to lift himself against the forces of gravity. Sweat was profusely dripping off of his face and there was no sound except heavy breathing. By this time, there was not a dry eye in the room. The very last two students in the room were two young women, both cheerleaders and very well liked. Dr. Christensen went to Linda and asked if she wanted a donut. Linda said very sadly, No, thank you. The professor quietly said, Ask Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so that Linda can have a donut that she doesn't want? Grunting from the effort, Steve did 10 very slow push-ups for Linda. Then Dr. Christensen turned to the last girl. Susan, do you want a donut? Susan, with tears streaming down her face, pleaded, Dr. Christensen, why can't I help him? Dr. Christensen, with tears of his own, explained, says, no, Steve has to do it all alone. I have given him this task, and he is in charge of seeing that everyone here has an opportunity for a donut, whether they want it or not. When I decided to have a party this last day of class, I looked at my grade book. Steve is the only student with a perfect grade. Everyone else has failed a test, skipped a class, offered up inferior work. And Steve told me that in football practice, when a player messes up, he has to do push-ups. I told Steve that none of you could come to this party unless he paid the price by doing push-ups. He and I made a deal for your sakes. Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Susan can have a donut? As Steve very slowly finished his last push-up with the understanding that he had accomplished all that was required of him, having done 350 push-ups, his arms buckled beneath him, and he fell to the floor. Dr. Christensen turned to the room and said, And so it was that our Savior Jesus Christ pled to the Father, and to thy hands I commend my spirit, with the understanding that he had accomplished all that was required of him, he yielded up his life for us. And like some of those in the room, many leave the gift on the desk uneaten. Two students helped Steve up off the floor and to a seat, physically exhausted but wearing a thin smile. Well done, good and faithful servant, said the professor. Adding, not all sermons are preached with words. 
He turned to the class. The professor said, My wish is that you might understand and fully comprehend all of the riches of grace and mercy that has been given to you through the sacrifice of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God spared not His only begotten Son, but gave Him up for us and for the whole world, now and forever. Whether we choose to accept His gift to us, the price for our sins has been paid. Wouldn't it be foolish and wouldn't it be ungrateful just to leave it laying on the desk? Wow. I was given access to that many, many years ago and have used it several times in the past. But I think that's one of the simplest explanations of what I read in the Scriptures of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So one of the things that I want to do this morning is just kind of expound on the illustration that we've heard this morning and, and look at it and how it applies to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Notice that it was very clear that none of the students were qualified to pay for their own donut. And see, that's where many people in the world today say, I, I, I've asked, this is a question that I commonly ask. If you stand before God and, and God asks you, why should I let you into heaven, what is your answer going to be? And I, I, was, I was going to call his name, but I won't call his name. I... I remember about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I asked a man the same question. And he said, well, he says, I'm a pretty good fellow. I'm a firefighter. I, I have a, a very uh, humble uh, way of living. I provide for my wife and my family. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't lie. And I believe that I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, hey, you've done a good job. Come on in. But the problem with that is, there's no one in this room that is qualified to pay your own debt. The Bible tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. In Romans 3 and 10 it says, For there is none righteous, no, not one. So you see, none of us qualify. We cannot pay our own debt. No matter how hard we try, we cannot pay our sin debt. We're not qualified, just like Steve. Steve made all the classes. He made all the grades. He was the only one in the class qualified to pay for the donuts. As much as everyone thought they were good enough, they were not good enough to pay, just like us. We're not qualified. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of our sin is death. In other words, the wages of our sin is that we can't have a donut. We cannot be saved because of our sin. But the rest of that verse says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Huh? Did you notice? Here. Steve, will you pay for this donut that he does not want? Yes, I will pay for the donut. Here's your donut, Josh. And it sits on his desk and he refuses to eat it because maybe he doesn't understand. Maybe he doesn't like what uh, the Bible says about this certain subject. Maybe he doesn't know why he can't pay for his own donut. And maybe sometimes that's where we fall. People don't understand and they say, oh, it's just religion. 
and I don't want to get involved in religion. Well, this is what it boils down to. It boils down to life is, does not end here on this earth, but life is eternal according to the Scripture. And what we're going to find is, well, yeah, in the little illustration you give, this guy had to do push-ups. Well, Brother Wayne, I want to know why Jesus had to die on the cross. Why did that have to happen in order to pay for the debt that I owe? Why did that have to happen? Well, in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, this is what it tells us. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The soul is what's going to live forever. He says, listen, this is what it cost in order to purchase your soul or the redemption for your soul. In order for them to have a donut paid for, he had to do push-ups. In order for our souls to be redeemed, blood has to be shed. Well, now when you go through the Old Testament, we read all through the Old Testament that God allowed for the Israelites, in order for them to have a relationship with God, innocent blood had to be shed. That's why he allowed them to sacrifice lambs and bulls and rams and different... Listen, an animal does not sin. An animal does not have a soul. So when they were sacrificed... All of that done was covered the sin so that God could have a relationship. But ultimately, someone had to pay the price. That someone was Jesus. The only one qualified. The only one, only human being, only mankind that lived on this earth without sin. The perfect sacrifice. And in order for our souls to be atoned for. In other words, the only way that we can have everlasting life is that the blood be applied or paid for so that we might have the redemption or the forgiveness of sin. Remember when the old professor said, Listen, this is my class, these are my desk, and these are my donuts. We don't make the rules. God makes the rules. God, God, because of the wages of sin, God's mercy and grace allowed us salvation. Believe me, He didn't have to, but He loved us so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Look right up here. Hey, back. Now look up here. Y'all need this. He... He sacrificed so that he could pay the debt so that we might have a choice whether or not to receive the free gift that's laying on the desk. And just like the, just like the professor said right at the end, listen, many are going to walk away from this life leaving the gift on the desk that's already been paid for. Doesn't cost you or I anything. Jesus paid it. We didn't have the ability to pay it. All he asked, would you accept this free gift? That's what he's asking. So when did that take place?
Look at our key scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. Somebody complete this sentence for me. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? My goodness, doesn't that sound like a morbid song? Singing about blood? Do you know why we sing about that? It's because the scripture says only blood can atone for the soul. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 27. Jesus is standing before Pilate. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall, and they gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, and they put on him a scarlet robe, when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him, and they took a reed, and they smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, and put, it, put his raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. Well... That sounds pretty rough, but that doesn't sound that bad. Listen to what Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came to this earth, this is how Isaiah described the appearance of Jesus when he was on that cross. In Isaiah 52, 14, it says, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. The Bible says that they beat Jesus so bad that he did not even look like a human when they got done with him. Now, I don't want to stretch this any, okay? I don't want to make it give the appearance that, that it was worse than it was. I'm telling you, according to that description that they have just given, this is this is I've done a class, I've done a class for the my youth department one time, and, and we were talking about the crucifixion of Jesus, and I put myself in the place of the Roman soldier that was in charge of scourging him and flogging him before he went to the crucifixion. And the Roman soldiers, their only job was to in, input pain into these prisoners that they had to, to make them pay for this, the, the, the breaking of the law or whatever it is, to punish them for their wrongdoing. And I want you to know their goal was to cause that person to cry out for mercy. I went to my, I went to my garage and I, I took a, a, a piece of a, a hole handle and I cut it off about that long. I drilled a hole in the end of it and I went to the hardware store and I got strips of leather. They called them a cat of nine tails. And I got me nine pieces of leather and I strung it out. It describes when you read the history of how they done crucifixions back then. It said that they would, they would tie pieces of bone or glass or metal into the end of these nine strings. And as they would, 
is they would crucify someone or when they flogged someone, they would hit them with this cat of nine tails and these pieces of metal and glass and bone would go into the skin and then when they would come out, they would rip it out and it left a horrible, I mean, it would just rip flesh off of their bodies. Now think here in your mind, this is what is taking place to Jesus and they're doing their very, very best to get him to cry out, to have mercy. And every time they hit him, Jesus endures. Jesus never cries out. And the more he doesn't cry out, the harder they try to get him to do it. If the Jews, if the Jews, which was legal for them to flog you, they were only allowed to flog you 49 times. In other words, they could only hit you 49 times because the law said you can't exceed 50. The Romans were not under the law. That Roman soldier's goal was to make Jesus cry out. And they just kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him, never being able to let him cry out. He never cried out. They finally gave up because they knew that Jesus still had to carry his cross to Golgotha. But they had beaten Jesus so bad, his physical body was so weak, he couldn't even carry his own cross. And, and we know that the Bible tells us that someone else, a man named Cyrene, Simeon, came in and carried the cross the rest of the way. But watch this. Watch this. The human... They did not have the power to take the life of Jesus. I do, and, and, and okay, I just want you to know this is what Wayne Bickley is saying because the scripture doesn't say this. I honestly believe as Jesus, after he was flogged and after he made his way to the cross, I believe any other human being would have already died from the blood loss because of the blood that he was being shedding for our sins. I believe it would have killed any ordinary man. But see, mankind could not take the life of Jesus. He gave it. He did not give his body permission to die before he got to the cross because he had to endure the cross. The blood was being shed all the way down, paying that debt for sin. Matthew 26 and 28, it says, for Jesus is saying at the Last Supper, He says, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. In Mark 15 and 34, while He is on the cross, it says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out. This would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He says, Ilio lama sabachani which is interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 27, 45, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Watch this. Now this is, this is, this is the time that they used in those days. The sixth hour was noon in our time today. At, mid, at 12 o'clock mid-noon, the Bible says that darkness came over all the earth. In one scripture it says the sun stopped shining. And Jesus hung on the cross between heaven and earth 
And as Jesus was hanging there as the punishment for our sin, hiding him from Almighty God, Jesus says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to know the Son of God, the first time in his life, he was not in the presence of his Father because he became that debt for you and I. He became that sin debt so that you and I can be saved. So many are going to leave that donut on the table because of pride. I don't know what the reason is. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. That's all it takes is a free gift laying there. All you've got to do is pick it up and believe what He's done for you. That's what it cost you to be saved is to only believe with your heart. Jesus became that redemption. Luke chapter 23, verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. And He gave up the spirit ghost and He died. Three o'clock in the afternoon. First Peter one eighteen. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions of the Father, but you've been saved with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. There is only one price for man's salvation, and that is the blood of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if there were, like the world teaches, wouldn't it be great if there were many ways to salvation? Wouldn't it be great if there were many ways to God? Through Allah, or Hinduism, or Buddha? Wouldn't it be great... Kind of like God sitting at the top of the mountain, and if you can just get to the top of the mountain any way you want to believe, it would be good. Believe me, if there was any other way, God would not have sent His Son Jesus to suffer and die. He would not have done it. Matthew 26 this is before Jesus goes to the cross, and it says, He took up the cup, and He gave thanks, and He gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Cost of sin. Luke 24 and verse 44. This is after. Watch this. This is after the crucifixion. When Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. All the things, he says, must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. In other words, he said, Listen, I told you before we went to Jerusalem that I was going. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. And then three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. But the Bible says that God hid that understanding from them. Now, after he's rose from the dead, he says right here, 
Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I want you to know after he rose from the dead, they went, oh, I remember him saying that. I remember when he told us that. Man, where were we? What were we thinking? Hey, understand, God hid that understanding from them, but now they understand. They said, oh, you told us that. You told us this was going to happen. I encourage you this week. I encourage you this week. Of each one of the Gospels, Easter is on, Resurrection Sunday is just right around the corner. Go back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the last three chapters of each one of these books. You will be encouraged to read about the things that Jesus had to do on the cross. You'll read about the resurrection. You'll read about the power of the resurrection. You'll read all these things. I encourage you to do this because of what we're approaching the next days. Hebrews 1 and 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I, I, I really need us to understand this this morning. And I use this illustration as an example this morning that the sin debt has been paid. And it is laid out there for you to freely accept. Nothing else is required. The sin debt has been paid. In order for you to be saved, you simply must believe what Jesus Christ has done for you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace, in other words, God's willingness to send His Son, Jesus, for by God's grace are you saved through faith. In other words, you must believe. Not of works. It's not of yourself. There is nothing you can do that you can be saved. Nothing. You can't do it. You can't give enough money. You can't be good enough. You can't turn over a new leaf. It's because of what Jesus Christ done, paid the atonement for our sin, for our souls. But in order for us to be saved, we must believe. We must believe. Scripture after Scripture you see them on the screen. I will not go through all of them. It, it would, we'd be here the rest of the day. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I like that, that once we receive Christ and accept Christ, our sins are washed away forever and ever. Well, Brother Wayne, I, I've been saved for a long time and I continue to sin. Well, there's, there's a difference in what and sin that relates with us in our everyday walk with Jesus and our sin debt eternally. Listen, the, when, when we accept Christ, He paid for our sins. He forgave us of sin, present, past, and future. All sins are forgiven. We're done. That's why sometimes the Baptists get a bad name. Hey, I believe that because the Scripture teaches us that. And then some people say, Oh, well, I want to be a Baptist because once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Then I can go live like I want to. <laughs> you, you know what the problem is with that? 
If you truly become a believer, the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and He begins to change the things that you want to do. He begins to convict you of sin that, that's unpleasing to God. You begin to, you begin to want to talk different. You begin to want to change. You, you begin to want to tell people about what happened to you. You, you. you begin to want to please Him when you never had that before. If you're truly born again, you have a desire to serve Him and please Him. So this morning, this is my challenge. As we are entering into this season of the Resurrection Sunday, I, I just... I, I, Dr. Christensen, it never did say that he pleaded with those to, come on, that donut's been paid for. The least you can do is accept it. He never did plead with them. But he put the free gift right there on their desk. I, you know, I wonder if some of them, when they left, they said, no, I don't want it. But I wonder if some of them, when they left, they took it with them and maybe they, they accepted it later. This morning, I offer you again the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Your sin debt has been paid for. It's just a matter of whether you choose to accept it and receive it, or you can leave it on the desk. So that's what an invitation is all about. I'm giving you this invitation. If you would like to receive it, you come this morning and I'll show you how. The Bible tells us to simply believe. Romans 10 and 13, it says... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer. Call upon the name of the Lord. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know that you paid the debt for my sin on the cross when you shed your blood on the cross. God, I receive that. I ask you now to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and to save me and forgive me of all my wrongdoing. And the Bible says, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's an act that you take. If you don't know how to do that, if you come forward this morning, I'll be glad to show you. It may be that you leave here today and you go, you know what, I'm not eating this donut right now. But you get home and you go, I realize this donut is a free gift. I realize what Jesus done for me on the cross is free. I'll accept it now. You can do it at home. You can do it in your car driving down the road. Be careful because he'll break your heart. You might, you might automatically, you may just start crying. I talked to him and he said, I had to pull over. I couldn't see because I just asked the Lord to come into my life and change me. And he did. And man, I just began to weep so bad I couldn't even see. I had to pull over on the side of the road. Luke 287, Lufkin. My mom was walking down a railroad track. Holy Spirit convicted her heart of what she had heard at church the day before. She gave her life right there on the railroad track. My dad up in an apartment, garage apartment down here in Livingston. 1967, my dad gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ right there in an apartment complex here in Livingston, Texas. Where will you be when you accept the free gift that Jesus offers you? Where were you when you accepted the free gift? I plead with you this morning, don't leave here without Jesus. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, I truly believe this morning that if you were here, you would plead with them. The ones here that don't know you as their personal Savior or have heard this story so many times, they've just gotten so used to it. And maybe this morning this illustration has 
helped us understand it a little better. God, I just want to offer again this invitation of salvation freely to all that are here. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, Scripture, all through the Word of God, proves that you are who you say you are. No other book, no other religion in the world offers what you have offered us through the Holy, the Holy Bible and uh, what you've done on the cross. Be pleased this morning with the decision that we make before we leave here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You respond this morning.